Welcome to the Christian Life Podcast. At Christian Life, we're all about making disciples of all generations. If you'd like to connect with us and find out more about what's going on here, you can find us on Facebook at CLC Gridley, and of course on the web at clcgridley.org. We hope that God speaks to you through the message you're about to hear. Let's dive in together. Well, good morning, church. I, uh, I am excited to uh, get to spend some time with you this morning. Uh, before we get going again, there's another group of people I think we ought to give it up for. Yesterday, we had a bunch of people that were out here working hard, sweating and bleeding and all other kinds of good things. They put in a whole bunch of effort. So can we give it up for our people that were out here the work day? There's, you know who you are. We won't go name by name, but I appreciate your help. Every week, things are getting closer and closer to where we are going. I mean, a lot is, is changing. Um, you know, we are preparing our facilities for those in our community that have not experienced the goodness and love of God. That's the purpose. Our purpose, our vision here, is making disciples of all generations. That's what we're all about. That's why we're here, is to make disciples of all generations. It's almost like we read that in Matthew 28 or something. I never said I was a creative person, but we're here to make disciples of all generations. In the next two weeks, the focus will begin to, little bit by little bit, shift from outside. You know, we've, we've been landscaping, we've been doing some things on the outside, drip systems, all kinds of fun stuff. But over the next two weeks, we'll begin to see a change where we're now paint will start going up and all the decorations and stuff that our design team has been putting together will start going up because we are on our way. They, uh, they've been putting a bunch of work in, but we're on our way to being the church that our community needs. We already serve the God that our community needs, but there's some work inside of us, right, that needs to, needs to happen. But the visual stuff, right, that was, that's one step. That's just one step of our step of faith that we're taking as a church that we talked about. The second step is we've got to be a great commission church. We can do all of the changes and decorations and we could flip everything on its ear, but unless something changes in our hearts and we don't get back to the basics of Christianity, the basics of, hey, I want you to have the gift, the hope, the peace, the love that I have. And there's only one way to find it. Unless we begin to bring people with us on this journey, everything else, we might as well just stop now. We're not painting for us. We're painting for them. We're painting to show them that we love them, we care about them enough that we're preparing this place, just like God is preparing a place for us, right, in eternity, we're preparing this place for you. It's two steps of faith. One is visual, the other is inside of us. And I just want to continue to encourage you, let's take that step of faith. Let's have those sometimes awkward conversations, inviting our neighbor, right, or talking to the random person at the, at the grocery store. Let's have those conversations, because why? Because as a church, together, we're taking that step of faith. We're preparing it for them, but if we're not bringing them with us, it does no good. It does no good. All of this is... Uh, 
all of this is culminating for our Christmas service. Now, obviously, we don't want you to wait until December 22nd when we do our Christmas service to invite people. Bring people with you next week. That'd be fantastic. The week after that would be great, too. We've got some amazing things coming, but bring people with you. Don't hold on to, to what God has given you. Let's give it out. Let's give it out. But December 22nd, we've got a, a fantastic service planned, but we're gearing up for that. We've got, oh man, you guys are going to love it. There are going to be like, you, you parent, uh, the parents, we're going to have fun. Grandparents, you're going to have fun. I cannot wait for you to see some of the stuff we have in store. Our kids will be with us. That It's going to be fantastic. But since we're talking about the work that we've been tasked with, the Great Commission, right, this second step of faith that we're taking, that also ties in with the series that we're in the middle of. Last week we started a series called The Good Work. We've all got a good work planned for our lives. God has a purpose for our life. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back on our website or wherever you listen to these podcasts at. If you don't know what a podcast is, I'd be happy to explain it to you afterwards. But wherever you listen, go get caught up. Go listen to that message. We're, we're doing this series on Nehemiah. We've got the, the book of Nehemiah is where we're going through spending a couple uh, quick weeks here. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. But last Sunday we began looking at this story, and we started by asking a question. We started by asking a question. And the question is, what breaks your heart? What compels you? What is it that, that when you see it, just gets you fired up and you've got to do something about it. We started off by asking this question, what is it that breaks your heart? And I'd venture to guess, and I don't think I'm stepping too far out of limb here, on a limb here, whatever it is that gets you fired up, whatever it is that gets you passionate where you've got to, it's an injustice that you've got to step out and do something about, I'd venture to guess that God probably has something that He wants you to do for Him in that area. There's a reason you get fired up about it. That injustice means something to you. Maybe God has prepared you to help there. The Bible says, obviously, it says that, uh, that God has formed us in our mother's womb. Right? God knows us. He created us. Every piece of us. He knows everything about us. He created each of us and has spoken purpose over each one of our lives. Not only has He spoken purpose, but He's given us talents, giftings, abilities, right? He has given us everything that we need to accomplish the purpose that He's spoken over us. God's awesome. But you want to know what's even more awesome than, than God giving us giftings and talents and abilities? And you know what's even better than that? You read through Nehemiah. He's an average, ordinary guy. He's just, he's just like us. He's a person that God chose to use his passion, his faithfulness, his effort to be used by him. But he's just like us. We use Nehemiah's response in Nehemiah 1 as the basis to answer another important question. So many of us, we recognize issues that something, well, someone needs to do something about that. We're quick to realize what needs to change, but very few of us are willing to do anything about it because we don't have the answer to this question. How do you begin the good work? So we're really good at pointing out what needs to change. We're really good at pointing out what's broken. 
What sometimes we struggle with, though, is how do we even start? Right? If the problem is so big, it's way bigger than we are, I wouldn't even know where to begin. How do you start? And we talked about this last week. The first thing that we need to do is what? We feel it, right? Those injustices, they, they rile up inside of us emotions. You need to feel it. And then we pray about it. And then we do something about it. Anything worth feeling is worth praying about. Nehemiah, he models this in, in chapter 1. He models this perfectly for us. Just a quick history recap again, just to refresh our memory. The Babylonians, they conquered Jerusalem. They destroyed everything. They tore it to pieces, literally, in about 586 B.C. I mean, they carried the people away to serve as slaves. They destroyed everything. There was no rock left unturned. And now, 140 years later, Nehemiah is still trying to find out what's happening in his homeland. He's never even been there. 140 years have passed. Everything was destroyed so much so that even now, 140 years later, it's still broken. Nehemiah hears of the struggles of, of his people and it breaks his heart. Nehemiah 1.4, it says, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed. Nehemiah felt it. Nehemiah prayed about it. And then he did something. His prayers began to move him to action. His prayers began to move him to action. He begins to ask God to give him favor with the king, his boss. Right? He's a cupbearer. His job is to make sure that the king's not getting poisoned and to keep his cup filled. And he begins to pray, God, give me favor. Can I challenge you with something this morning, right now? I mean, we need more people. We need more people that when they see something, they're willing to do something about it. Can we be a church that when we see a need, we don't wait for a bigger church, another church, the city, the state. We don't wait for somebody else to step in and meet that need. We, what? We pray about it and then we do something about it. Can we be a church that meets needs? And I think we're doing that in some areas, but, but as a whole, when we see a need in our community, let's be people that rally with each other and we do something about it. I'm so tired, I'm so tired of seeing needs as a whole, of seeing needs. Wow, that really needs, that, that, that's just not right. Somebody needs to do something about that. Can we change that where our reaction isn't somebody needs to do something about it? It's, God, what can I do about that? It's a big change there. And this is what Nehemiah modeled for us so well. What can I do? What can I do? Nehemiah felt it, he prayed about it, and he did something about it. And this morning, I want us to spend a little bit more time on the topic of do something about it because praying about it, feeling it, we can talk about this quickly, but sometimes we need a little bit more direction when it comes into doing something about it. So if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you, open up to Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. 
Nehemiah 2, verses 1-3, through it says this, it says, Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Okay, we need to realize too that at this point in time, you did not want to be the person that brought bad news to the king. You know what happened to people that brought bad news to the king? You died, okay? So, what's, you know, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick. You must be deeply troubled. There's a reason the next thing that it says here is, then I was terrified. There's a reason he was terrified. Then I was terrified. In verse 3, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Months have passed now. Months have passed now between the initial conversation with his brothers asking how their homeland is doing. Months have passed. And he's still praying. He's still believing. And he knows that something still needs to be done. He's been praying for God to give him favor with the king because he knows he's got to do something. So my question that I want us to look at this morning is what did Nehemiah do in the in-between? What did he do in the in-between? That's the subtitle of our, you know, we're in our good work series, but today it's all about what do we do in the in-between? And when I say in-between, I'm sure you're picking up on this, but I'm talking in-between when God speaks purpose, when He shows us what it is that we're to do, and when He opens up the door for us to do something about it. What do we do in the in-between? What did Nehemiah do in the in-between? How many of us, we know that God's timing isn't our timing, right? It'd be wonderful if those two clocks were on the same, like, even in the same hemisphere would be wonderful. Different time zones would be acceptable, but hemisphere, that would be fantastic. God's timing is not our timing. How often do we walk through seasons of waiting, right? Everybody loves seasons of waiting. How often do we walk through the seasons where we are in between? We literally feel like, this is where I was, that's where I'm going, but I'm not there yet, and I'm definitely not there anymore. I'm in between. I hate these seasons. They're frustrating. Being honest with you, they're not fun. It's not fun. This is where you literally feel like, what's the, the old saying? I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? This is the in-between. So what did Nehemiah do in the in-between? The first thing that I believe Scripture would back up is he sought God. We've been talking about this a lot lately, but I think the first thing that Nehemiah models to us of what we need to do, whether individually as a church, what we need to do in the in-between, in-between knowing what our purpose is and making it happen, is we need to seek God. Nehemiah 2, verses 2 through 4, it says this, Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, 
and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? Key in here. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. How do I know that Nehemiah sought God and continued to seek God over the span of these months? Because you guys know this as well as I do. Very few of us have a hard time talking. We have a mouth. Talking comes easy to most of us. Most of us are fully capable of answering a question, right? Especially a direct question. So the fact that the king asked him, how can I help you? And his first response, not his second response, not his third response, right? His first response is, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. He prayed first. Before he responds, he prays. That is not a discipline that comes naturally. Nehemiah sought God consistently through this time. Nehemiah 1 talks about how he prayed and fasted. If that discipline is built up in your life, that doesn't just stop. You continue that. When you recognize your purpose, there is very little that you will not do. There is very little that we will not sacrifice to see that come to pass, right? When we have a goal ahead of us, We'll do whatever needs to happen to get there. Nehemiah sought God. I'm going to make a statement, and if if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Your actions don't begin when you step out and do. Your actions don't begin when you step out and do. Your actions begin when you begin to pray. Your actions don't begin... When you step out and do something, your actions begin when you pray. We are doing ourselves an injustice when we look past our prayers as being active. Our prayers are active. Every, we've been talking about this. Everything about being a Christian is active. Everything is active. When we step out and we begin to pray, that's when the action starts doesn't start when the door opens, right? Hey, that game clock has already been ticking. You're two quarters in, three quarters in by the time the door opens. It's the prep work. Nehemiah is stepping out in faith and seeing the, the wall built. That is his purpose. That's his purpose. But it didn't start when he laid the first stone. It didn't start when he organized his people to see the work done. It didn't even start when he walked out of the kingdom with an armed escort taking him where he needed to go. It didn't start when he got permission from the king to go on this journey and go do this. It started with his first reaction way back in Nehemiah 1 when he heard about the need and he prayed. That's when our actions start. For Nehemiah, that initial prayer started it, but he continued it every day. Prayer after prayer after prayer. Until finally, after months, right? How many of us, we've had God respond and answer our prayer months later, years later? It takes time because God's timing is not our timing. We need to reshape the way we think about doing something for God. 
because it, I think we've got the timeline all messed up. Sometimes we think about doing something with God, doing something for God being when we actually have that conversation with the neighbor, when we actually have the conversation with the person at the grocery store, when we actually bring food to the homeless person. That's not when the action started. When did the action start? When did we begin doing something for God? Way back over here when we started praying about it. God, give me opportunity. God, would you point someone out to me today that needs to hear about you? God, would you point someone out to me today that needs to hear about your love? God, would you show me who you want to get a hold of today? That's when doing something for God starts. We need to change that timeline. But we can't live there. That's when it starts. That's not when it ends. We fall into two camps. Either one, we think the only time we're doing something for God is when we're actually physically doing something. The other one, and it's just as bad, is when all we ever do is, when all we ever do is pray about it, but we never actually allow those prayers to get our butt in gear and actually do something about it. They go hand in hand. If Nehemiah hadn't continued to pray for favor, continued to pray and believe that God was going to use him if he hadn't known that the cause that God had pointed him towards was worth fighting for, when the king asked him that question in Nehemiah 2, you don't look sick. You definitely look sad. Something's wrong. What's going on? He wouldn't have stepped up. He wouldn't have stepped up. Why can I say that without a doubt in my mind? Because fear is a good motivator. Fear is a strong motivator. It paralyzes us, doesn't it? Fear is a strong motivator that keeps us paralyzed. But you know what propels us forward? Faith. Faith propels us forward. The second thing I believe Nehemiah did in this in-between season is he refined his purpose. He refined his purpose. God spoke to him, showed him the need, but over this time, he refined his purpose. Let's look in Nehemiah 2, verses 4 through 5. It says, With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Nehemiah knew exactly what his purpose was, he knew his purpose. Can we all be a little bit vulnerable right now? If we asked each other, what is your purpose? Would you be able to give an answer? Would you be able to respond and answer the question, what's your purpose? And when I'm saying, when I'm saying responding, I'm not talking about, I want to make a difference. Okay, We all want to make a difference. I'm not talking about like, I want my life to matter. Okay, All of these are, are important things. But being specific is powerful. There's a big difference between I want my life to matter and saying I want to model what it means to be a good husband, a good father, and eventually a good grandpa. There's a big difference there, right? There's a big difference between saying I want my life to, to matter, I want to, make a, I want to impact people, and saying I want every person that I come in contact with to know the love of Jesus. It's very different. It's very different. Being specific is powerful. 
Why was Nehemiah able to give him an answer right then and there? Because he had spent that in-between season praying and having God refining that purpose so that he didn't have to think about it, right? He didn't say, um, time out. Can I get back to you on that? He gave him an answer right then and there. Why? Because he knew his purpose. And it was specific. If Nehemiah had told the king, I think I want to go and help my people for a little bit. They have a lot of stuff they need help with. And, and I think they could really use me. You know, I'm really talented at like pouring drinks and stuff. And man, there's just, there's just a lot of stuff that I think I could help with. I'm pretty sure the king would have responded very differently. I'm sorry. I think I have important stuff for you to do here. I can almost guarantee that would have been either that or like off with his head, okay? Oh, is, is serving me not good enough? You've got to do other stuff. Being specific is important. The fact that he was able to clearly define what he's here to do matters. This level of detail, it rarely happens overnight also. Why do you think that sometimes we have to go through those in-between seasons? Because sometimes when God first speaks that to us, we're not ready to answer questions like this. We're not ready to say, this is my purpose, this is why I'm here. Sometimes those in-between seasons are necessary for us to get these details lined up. For us to have the time to continue to pray and seek. And to continue to develop into the person that we need to be to fill that need. If you can't define it, you won't do it. If you can't clearly state what you're here to do, what your purpose is, it's not going to happen. Because works of God they don't happen on accident. God leads and God moves and He does all that stuff. But, but when it comes to our purpose, like you don't stumble into being in God's will. You choose. Your life models those principles that put you in submission to God. In this in-between time, Nehemiah had taken the time to, to define exactly what he felt God was leading him to work towards. This level of detail, like we said, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I can't speak for you, but in my life, we, we went through a major in-between time. You know, when, we, when Veronica and I felt God begin to speak to us about what He had in store for us in our next season of ministry, right? We're, we're youth pastors, we're working with teenagers, and we knew something was going to change. We knew God was getting ready to speak. And I'm out on a walk one day and God says, I'm sending you to churches and small towns that need help. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to help build momentum and help see a change. Help see health restored to these churches. You know how long it was? Between the time that God revealed that to me until we actually got to do it? Well, it was six more months worth of youth ministry. Six more months after God had spoken that, that we were still every day, day in, day out, loving on teenagers, right? Serving our pastor, doing all the things that we would normally be doing. It was six months of that, and then God opened a door. You know what that door was? That door was for more training. You know how long that season went? A whole other year. So from the time that God first spoke that to the time that we actually got to begin putting that into motion, it was a year and a half. 
Some of you guys, you've been through a whole lot longer in-between time than that. I'm not saying, oh, a year and a half. You know, no, I'm, that's our experience in this area of our life. But a year and a half of preparation before we even got to start. Look at David's life. He was anointed king. How many years between the time he was anointed king by Samuel and to the time he actually got to step into that role? A whole lot more than a year and a half. I can guarantee that. A long time. But we are allowed to go through these in-between seasons to shape us. And so we can clearly define what our purpose is. The next thing Nehemiah did in this in-between season, I think is probably even more difficult than the first two for some of us. And it's he made a plan. Nehemiah made a plan. You know, I, I read this, this quote earlier this week from a, another pastor, his name is Craig Rochelle, and he says this, he says, a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. It's very true, isn't it? A goal without a plan is just a wish. In between where we are and our good work that God has made us to accomplish, we seek God, we refine our purpose, and we make a plan. Let's keep reading Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. It says this It says, The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? And this is the point where most of us would get ourselves in trouble and we'd start stumbling all over ourselves. Why? Because he actually had an answer. Would we have an answer? How long will you be gone? After I told him how long I'd be gone, continuing reading, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province of west, uh, province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Does that sound like a guy that's winging it to you? There's a whole lot of detail in there for there not to be a plan. How many of us are guilty of not making a plan, right? God speaks something to us, and, and maybe seeking God is a strong part of, uh, a strong thing for us, and hey, we're really good at seeking God, and you know, hey, I even did pretty good at refining my purpose, and, and making sure I knew what God was challenging me to do, and, and speaking me to do, but are you making a plan? Don't underestimate this. Making a plan is just as spiritual as seeking God and refining your purpose. Make a plan. Make a plan. I mean, look at the amount of detail that Nehemiah drops down for the king here. He has an answer to his question, how long he'll be gone. Then what does he do? He asks for specific letters to two different people for specific things that he's asking those people to do for him. And then he's asking for timber. He's not just saying, oh, I need quite a bit because I, you know, we'll, we have to. He's asking for specific Amounts of wood for each different thing and all the different projects you'll have to... There's a lot of detail. This plan is well thought out. 
Nehemiah made a plan of exactly what he needed. What he needed to see what God had called him to do happen. Because he made a plan, he had his shopping list already in order. And then what? When he had the conversation with the one guy that could actually do everything that he needed done, done, he had answers for him. And because of that, God did exactly what he had been praying that God would do, and he gave him favor, and he got everything he needed. Without this conversation, I think the story of Nehemiah would be very different. But God provided for Nehemiah, and God provided for the work that he had Nehemiah to do, because Nehemiah was prepared. Who would have thought something so simple would be so profound? Be prepared! You know what happens, though, when we have a plan? Guess what happens? In two weeks, the plan may probably have to change. Why? Because you find out more information. And then what? You make another plan. And then, because we know God's timing seems to always drag, by the time God actually opens that door, you've probably made a hundred plans. And by that time, so many different things have changed. You've thought of probably almost just about everything that could possibly go wrong because you've planned the same thing out a hundred different ways. And we have answers because we've thought about that stuff. We've got to be people that are prepared. It's a good thing. You know what I struggle with most when it comes to the be prepared, have a plan? I'm a perfectionist. And my first thing, you, some of you, I heard a laugh because some of you guys are picking up on that with me. My issue, and if you're anything like me, the issue that you probably struggle with too is we want a perfect plan, right? We want the plan to be perfect. How long are you going to wait for a perfect plan? It takes a long time. Executing a good plan will get things done a whole lot quicker than waiting for a perfect plan. And it's a whole lot better than not having a plan at all. Get a good plan. Be prepared. And then don't wait for everything to line up perfectly. Do it! If you wait for the perfect situation, you'll never do anything. You'll always be waiting. In the in-between, in the time in-between when God shows us our purpose and when we begin to see it come to pass... As you seek God, as you refine your purpose, we've got to make a plan. Doing these things in the in-between, they're crucial. We've got to seek God. We've got to see that purpose refined inside of us. We've got to make a plan. And we've got to do these things in this season because here's a guarantee. And I'm not going to talk about this a whole lot because we're going to talk about it next week. Why is it so important that we have these answers in the in-between? It's because guess what? As soon as the in-between is over and God opens that door, guess what you're going to face? Opposition. And if you don't have those answers, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what God has called me to do, guess what? The first thing is going to get attacked. First opposition you face, guess what it's going to be centered around? Are you sure Look at Adam and Eve. Did God really say, we're going to face opposition? Because we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and guess what he has? He's got a plan for us too. What's his plan? To steal, kill, and destroy. 
We don't talk about the devil a whole lot. He doesn't have the power God has, but he's active. It's not because he's not trying. We need our purpose refined because when opposition hits, our enemy's going to cause us to doubt. We need our strength up, and that only comes from pursuing God and seeking Him. Because why? When we face opposition, we're going to get attacked there too. We need our, our stuff to be in order because when opposition hits, it's hard. Opposition is opposition for a reason because it's difficult. John Wesley is credited with this quote. It says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. If we've got so much passion inside of us for what God has called us to do, so much passion inside of us for who we serve, that's attractive. Even people that don't agree with us, don't believe the same things we agree, will listen. Why? Because, hey, if you're that passionate about it, I mean, there are very few things in my life that I'm that passionate about, so people will come to watch. Passion's important. This is how we need to live. This is how we need to live. Our purpose is much larger than anything we can handle on our own. You know that, right? Any purpose that we can accomplish on our own is not of God. Because God's not going to give us a purpose that we don't need Him to accomplish. Our purpose, our vision, okay, even just for our church, making disciples of all generations, that's not going to happen without Him. That's not going to happen unless we're unified working together. That's not going to happen unless we're praying together. It's not. It's not going to happen. We've got to be united. We've got to pray together. And we've got to be passionate about what God has put in our path together. Gridley will never be the same because of what God is starting right now. Gridley will forever be changed because what God is doing in His kingdom right now. But we've got to be united together. We've got to pray together. And that passion that we've got, that needs to get turned up to 10. Because wherever we fall on that scale, it's not good enough right now. Thank you for listening to this message. We trust that it's left you feeling loved, encouraged, and challenged to grow. If we can help you grow in your walk with Jesus, please connect with us on Facebook or on our website. We would ask that you subscribe and rate this podcast so that we can continue to stay up to date with you on what's happening here at Christian Life and so that others can hear. We'll see you next week on the Christian Life Podcast.